0: hi guys i'm coming to you in a place of room right now we're in a little more of a chill environment i normally film my pod in like my home office but i definitely feel like a more intimate like sleep over vibe when I do it in my room and I'm also a lot more relaxed too it just feels like I'm having like a an intimate chat with you guys but I hope everyone has had a good week I pretty much wanted to like get on here to do an end of the year recap episode because i know that a lot of people really liked the stoner fairy tales It all like q a episode and when i received my spotify wrapped it said that that was one of the highest rated episodes on this show so thank you guys and thank you to everyone who's been listening to and just like giving me the time of like your day or week and just to come here and chill with me. I just really appreciate it and love all of you so much. So, I've gathered up everyone's advice and I'm pretty much just going to go down the line in the order that I received them. Okay. I have my tea here with me. It's lavender chamomile with agave. So fucking good. Okay, so number one. Tips for moving to a new country and starting a brand new life at 18. Um, Well, first things first, good for you, okay? And like, I know it may feel like a long-term thing, But honestly, at 18, your life is really just beginning. You have the opportunity to, like, change your narrative and, like, the life you lived before and start over in a whole new place. So I would honestly just take advantage of that and appreciate the good things and, like, just prepare yourself for this new adventure and you have the rest of your life ahead of you and if you ever wanted to move back to your home country or move anywhere else, you still could. Love you. Okay. Advice on nourishing and maintaining friendships. I haven't been able to connect with my friends just due to being in college and mental health and so busy. Please give advice on maintaining friendships when I'm going through all of this, please. So... Honestly, friendships are definitely a two-way street. It's almost like when you see your friend and you're like, what the fuck, like, you could have called. It's also like you could have called. The, one of my best solutions to maintaining friendships is just to text people as I think about them. And the more that I, like, interact with my friends, the more they're on the forefront of my mind. And I also feel like I'm pretty scatterbrained, so sometimes I, like, think to text my friends while I'm, like, doing some other thing. Or I'll accidentally not text someone back for, like, a week and then remember that I never text them back. And when moments like that happen, I try to just pick up my phone And do it right then and there. As far as maintaining friendships when you feel like you're struggling a lot with personal life, I would say just try to do what you can. I mean... I have friends that have super hectic lives and I have a super hectic life, but the way that you honor your friendship is just making like space and time for each other. And it's nothing to shoot your friend a text and be like, hey, like I'm going through a lot this week, but just wanted to let you know that I'm thinking of you. It's just the little things that matter. And even if you don't have a lot of time, you could schedule with your friend, hey, uh my schedule's pretty packed this week. Would you like to like schedule coffee or go on a little date or like get dinner sometime? Because like well first off, you're going to have to eat anyway. Second off, like the first hardest step of reaching out is already done and now all you have to do is follow through. And for me, it honestly can get really hard to, like, maintain a lot of friendships at once and feel like I'm juggling everybody. But the more you, like, I guess, reach out to your friends and build those relationships, chances are the more they will reach out to you. And I honestly feel like it can be pretty isolating, like when you're struggling with mental health or going through a lot of things, and part of the reason why this person could be feeling so isolated is because mental health issues are a very isolating experience and that's honestly one of the times that you need your friends the most so make sure that you're also making the extra effort to reach out to people and to connect and do things and just not let yourself get caught up in feeling so bad all the time. And, like, if someone's your friend, you guys love each other. I'm sure you can understand if the other one's busy with college or work or whatever. Just try your best to do what you can and maintain that friendship. Dear Stoner Fairy, advice on how to start doing what you love without fear of failure. Um, honestly, I feel like there's fear... About failing at anything that we do, whether it be like endeavors or taking care of the self or relationships. But if you never go through the initial pain of like the initial, if you never go past the initial fear about like wanting to do what you love, then you'll honestly never be able to fully experience and bask in the glory of having tried doing what you love like I Normally tell myself that fear is the only thing between me and this thing or this job or this person or whatever it is you want to happen because like fear is also rooted like in the self and that fear could come from the fact that you feel like you want things to stay the way they are or want to hold on to things or you're afraid that you're gonna lose but honestly the only way to get past that is to understand that the fear is like just one step between you and that thing and you honestly you have to override yourself and override that fear to experience all of the greater things that lie behind that and it's honestly really hard because like I would say some of my strongest battles are with the self and when fear is something that like you created and like something that you're thinking about in your mind, it makes it a lot more serious or bigger than it would be, like, if it was outside of the self, because you're literally with yourself all the time. One thing I will say, though, is that from my experience, growth is really uncomfortable. Of course, it's comfortable to, like, stay where you are or keep doing what you're doing or... Not take that step because you're afraid you're going to lose. But anytime that I like really, really am itching to change or like get out of my situation, that always matters more to me as my goal than everything else that's around me. It kind of just turns into noise. And so honestly, I would say you deserve to do what you love And get past that fear of failure and even if you fail you can always try again love you what to do when you yearn for routines but can't become stuck honestly I would say routines are some of the things that keep us sane and your desire for routine isn't necessarily something that would make you like stagnant in the world routines are more of things that ground us in this world so that we can keep having the freedom to like do what we want and move fluidly and flow through the world so like with the way that human nature works no matter what you do in this world like humans are ever changing feelings are ever changing circumstances are ever changing there's Not a lot of things that can really make you, I guess, like permanently stagnant in this world, but if you make a routine for yourself and you can make changes to that routine if it gets too monotonous or boring for you then you will probably have more control over your life and not have so much fear about being stuck anymore. Okay, this next one says, how to get over non-motivation? Um, Honestly, this one is kind of a hard topic for me because it's another one of those things it's like the only thing that's getting in between you and this thing is yourself so like the self can literally be the hardest battle to jump over and the way that I like get myself over non-motivation it used to be kind of just like bullying myself or like hyper pressuring myself to do the things so much to where like I get so annoyed with myself pressuring me that I like have to do it but now like my mentality has kind of transformed into a more like okay I have to be motivated for myself I deserve to have the life that I want to live And I deserve to have the things around me that I want to have. And so you pretty much just have to take whatever it is that you're, like, not motivated about. And, like, they did this study that was basically saying that, like, whenever you're struggling to get something done if you just start doing that task chances are with the way that like humans and our brains work you will nine times out of ten want to finish that task to completion to get like the serotonin from completing it so you could honestly just try that like just try taking the first step at whatever it is you're not motivated at and hack your brain, which I love hacking my brain, and I'm sure you'll complete those things in no time. Someone wrote in about how to reduce screen time, and I swear I probably get like 90 minutes of screen time per day. Like, I pretty much just like, Okay, so the first thing that I did was I downloaded a bunch of ebooks on my phone. And so whenever I wanted to pick up my phone, I would just pick up a book. But then, like, I like reading things on my phone and my iPad. But, like, I pretty much would get so annoyed at looking at the screen that I convinced myself that an actual book would just be better. And so I reduced my screen time. And I... Started reading more. It was amazing. And I mean if we're counting screen time. As like the amount of like. Hours you spend on TV too. And with YouTube. Then I would be fucked. But one thing that I will say. Is you pretty much just have to. Like do everything you can. To lengthen your attention span. If you're consuming things on your screen. Then try to like reformat those things into long form media like if you like to watch tv then like try watching like movies instead and like you'll feel like oh I've been watching so many movies today I'm ready to go to bed or I've been watching so many movies I'm ready to go do something else and if you feel like you spend a lot of time on your screen just try to sit down and think with yourself like What exactly are you doing on your screen? Is it like a productive use of your time? Because sometimes I'll be on my phone all day, but I'm like responding to comments, taking care of business and like getting my shit done. But you could also just try to fill your life and your time with like hobbies and things that you find more interesting. Like I love to crochet And so I'll crochet while doing literally anything, like sitting in a park or watching a movie. But the thing about doing things that require your hands, like video games or like art, is that it requires your hands and your attention so much that you can't really be on your phone. And so, Just, it it doesn't even matter if you have to, like, set screen time for yourself to, like, remind yourself to drink water or to, like, get off your phone for a second. You could try that. Set alarms. Just, when we are, like, growing into people and deciding, like, what's good for us and who we should be, you pretty much have to, like, reprogram yourself And that's another one of those hacking your brain things because, like, if you feel like you spend too much time on your phone, then reduce it down to, like, the basic instinct of how you would, like, treat a child. Like, if you have to set an alarm for a certain amount of time of, like, every little task, if that works for you and that's how you hack your brain, then do that. I've had to set a little screen time for myself or, like physically like sometimes i'll put my phone across the room so that like if i really really want to get on it i have to like literally get all the way up to get it <laughs> i know that's like the most rat brain way to like train yourself but sometimes it has to be done but i love you i know you can reduce your screen time you got this Someone else also said how not to spend money and look at ads online when every app that I get on seems like it has ads. Um, dear listener, every app that you get on might seem like it has ads because every app literally has ads now. It's like I saw this TikTok that was a comparison between like a website when you normally scroll it. Plus it was like versus a website with an ad blocker and the difference was like insane and it reminds me a lot of Futurama When like they can play ads like literally inside your brain Because they all have like chips inside of them And so if you want the ads not to play then you have to pay like a premium or something to mom it's so funny but when your phone is like attached next to you all day it might seem like you're seeing a lot of ads and wanting to spend a lot of money but this is also like it ties into wanting to reduce your screen time and hopefully that should like encourage you to want to do other things like maybe spend more time outside or go out into the real world because like okay I know that when you go out into the world we're still forced to like see billboards and stuff but you could always go do something screen free and billboard free and hopefully just like connect more with nature and disconnect from all of the ads of the world love you Um, I also have some more write ins here. Let's see. Okay, I'm not gonna dox this person. Um, I just want to include the name part. It says. I have a really hard time with comparing myself to my friends and peers. My closest friends and roommates have noticed because it's something that I'm constantly doing, even in casual conversations, but it really alters the way I think about people in my relationships. How do I stop doing that? Please. Um, honestly, I would just try to dig deep into the self and... What is it that you're comparing to these other people? And why are you comparing to these other people? I normally try to, like, ask myself those questions that they teach you in English class when you're, like, trying to analyze a story. I think it's, like, who, what, where, when, and how. But as soon as I feel an emotion, I, like, meet it where it's at. And ask these questions like, who is making me feel this way? What is making me feel this way? Why am I feeling this way? How is this making me feel? And like, just try to like, I guess, find support with within the self. And then find support within your friends and just try to think about like why are you comparing yourself to these people and is it that they have something that you admire or is it something that like you wish you had within yourself because anything that you want in this world or anything that you have you can totally go get that because that's what we all deserve and if you say that this is such an internal problem that it, like, alters the way that you think about people and that people have started to notice it, then hopefully that can be more, like, of an incentive to heal and more of an incentive to seek support because if other people are noticing, I'm sure they don't want you to feel this way. Like, no friend wants their friend to feel uncomfortable. But I love you. I know you can work it out and battle and confront your emotions. Okay. This one says, how do I stop obsessing over my best friend's piece of shit boyfriend? He literally told her face to face after like a month of dating that they should break up because he realized he's not attracted to her anymore because her stomach isn't flat. This part is in air quotes. If I could just look at only your face, everything would be perfect. And she literally fought to keep the relationship going. How do I feel dealing with severely judgmental emotions because of all of this and also with her whack-ass behavior. Honestly, this is one of those situations that's just really hard for everyone involved because, like, you as the friend, you don't want to keep having to hear all of these things about your friend's piece of shit boyfriend and then always have to tell her, like, Queen, you need to break up with him. And so I would say that the first thing you do is step back a little and remind yourself that this is your friend. They need your support. And that if you're feeling annoyed, this annoyed by this situation, like externally, she must be feeling 10 times worse to have to deal with it firsthand. Secondly, you have to set some boundaries. If you feel like this is affecting you so much to where it's affecting your relationship with your friend or to where it's bleeding into your personal life, then you pretty much just have to tell your friend like, hey, I want to be supportive and like be there for you in every way that I can, but it's really stressing me out to keep talking to you about this all the time, especially giving you advice that you never seem to follow. I want to be there for you in other ways, but you can also just talk about other stuff. Like, that's the beautiful thing about having a support system is that hopefully this friend isn't only using you to vent out all of her issues and, When you have a good support system, people serve different purposes. Like, you might have one friend that's the advice friend, or one friend that's the friend that can always hang out. Like, if it's stressing you out this much to have to keep giving advice, then hopefully you guys can take a step back a little, enjoy your friendship in other ways, and this person can just ask for advice from someone else. And that's the type of thing that you have to do to like for the sake of your friendship too especially if it's stressing you out that much emotionally and um I mean this guy sounds like a piece of shit it sucks that he's saying these things to your friend and honestly it sounds like she really needs a friend right now so be true to yourself Don't be afraid to set some boundaries, and you can also still be there for your friend. Love you. Any advice on being kind to yourself slash feeling confident if you're doing poorly in school? I've been working really hard to make good grades in this semester, but I overloaded my units and I feel like I'm drowning. Subsequently, when my grades suffer, I feel horrible about myself and my self-esteem is extremely low. I'm here with you, and that's something that I've honestly struggled with a lot, like, your mental health is already declining, and then it's declining more because, like, you can't do the things you want to do, and then when you're failing in school, it's like a physical representation of you failing, and so it makes sense that that would kind of send us into a spiral it's like a spiral of feeling bad because you can't do this thing and then subsequently not doing more of this thing because you feel so bad so the first step is to acknowledge that cycle which you've already done the hardest part is out the way and then next you have to make steps to change the cycle so remember that thing that I was saying about how 9 times out of 10, once we start doing a task, our brain will want to finish it into completion. Sometimes you have to hack your brain and override, like, your mind and just move with your body. Like, start that assignment, clean that room, and the first thing that you do will feel so good that that's also a spiral to where you want to do more things to try to give your brain more of that, like, Positive reward, and once you start doing more things that make you feel like good and productive, then your self esteem will probably improve too. Love you. Oh, this person's name is Jelly Bean. Love you, Jelly Bean. Okay, this says. How to stay hopeful when things in the US and across the world feel very hopeless. Economically, politically, and socially, it feels like we're moving backwards. And I struggle to see a future of myself free of worry about money, family, job, stability, etc. Um Honestly, I've had a lot of conversations about this, like with the self and with my friends, because I feel like with the rise of, like, social media and, like, having your phone by your side at all times is, like, everything is right there. There's no way to avoid the news because, like, we're all confronted with the reality that we live in and that these things that are happening are real and we all don't want to be a part of this. But... If you're needing some time to yourself, just kind of, like, create that time and space for you to sit in. And I feel like this is why, like, van life and off-grid living and things like that have become so popular because the more things that we're seeing in the world, the more everyone's, like, I got to get the fuck out of here. But I'm also like, come on, everyone can't get the fuck up out of here. Like, that would literally defeat the purpose of, like, dropping off the grid and, like, leaving society. And imagine if you, like, do all of this stuff to leave society and then society, like, finally catches up with you years later and they're like, oh, shit, like, we all want to leave too. That would be horrible. And so we honestly it can get really easy to get caught up in like how horrible it feels about the fact that like the world is failing and that we seem to be like moving backwards as a society. But I would honestly say like there's nothing that we can all do to like avoid living in society the only thing we can do is try to make it better for ourselves and those around us so if you're feeling bad about society just do what you can maybe like pick up litter or go out and be a part of your community and like do things and do what you can to enjoy the world that you live in and one of the hard things about feeling like this societal and economical stress and like feeling like you want to die because of capitalism is that it's one of those things where someone online is like oh my gosh this feeling is so lonely how can I be feeling all of this and then like three million people reply saying like I'm feeling the exact thing it's horrible like it's one of those feelings that can feel really isolating but it also creates like A little sense of community that, like, a lot of other people are also feeling this way and you're not alone. And it's in our human nature to, like, worry about a future and, like, money and family and, like, job stability. But you honestly just have to focus on now and focus on what's right in front of you And try to keep moving forward while doing what you can and not stressing yourself out. And, like, create more quiet pockets of, like, time and space and happiness for yourself. And that'll also help you feel, like, more of a separation from society and everything that's going on. And then whenever you're ready to rejoin society, you can just do that. Love you. This one says... My boyfriend and I have been together for almost a year and are considering moving in together in May. What are your tips on living with a significant other and making that big step in a relationship successful? Honestly, I would say that I don't feel like a year is long enough for me to know if I want to live with someone But I will also say that just from experience, like one thing that will either make or break a relationship is living together because it's like the ultimate test. And like if you're living with someone, And You're seeing like all of these assets of them and all of these things that you've never seen before Those can be either good things or they can be bad things and you guys can either like Enjoy that space together or you can work to improve your relationship I'm really excited for you and like your new journey and Living with your partner is like a really fun exciting thing so I guess my best advice would be, like, to make sure that it's, like, it feels like a space that you guys live in and share together, but there are also, like, little parts of your own where you can, like, express yourself and have your own independence because everyone needs that. A lot of people hated on me for this, but when I was dating my ex, we lived in the same house, but we just had separate rooms and, like... I my birthday is coming up and I'm about to be 20 and so at the time that we were living together like it's a pretty developmental time in your life to be like living with someone and there's never not been an age for me where like having my room And, like, having my own space wasn't important to me. So you guys honestly just have to do what you can as a couple to, like, create those spaces for yourselves. And also make the space that you share together really welcoming. And make sure to designate who does what chores. And, like, nothing should go unspoken. And also just enjoy it. Like, don't be afraid to feel things out or go back on that decision or sit in that space together and figure out how you guys want to divide it. Like the only thing that can really make this step in your relationship successful is like communication and having fun. Just enjoy yourself and make sure to tell each other how you feel and like making a big step like this in your relationship is also like a big step for the self and it's a challenge for you to see the way that you live and interact with others and how you guys adapt to that love you oh this one (laughs) is like an extreme change of Events, it says how to break up with your long term partner as someone with a severe anxious attachment style. P.S. Love you, Stony Fairy. You are the best. And I always love to wind down after school by listening to your episodes. Aww. Well, I love you too. And I honestly, I suffer from anxious attachment style. So you're definitely preaching to the choir here. And the first thing I want to say is that breakups in general are always really hard. They're When you're dealing with, like, people's feelings and, like, the complex emotions that humans have, like, stuff like that is never going to be easy. So when you say you have a severe anxious attachment style, are you saying, like, you're afraid of what it's like to be alone or what it's like to live without this person even though you know you don't want to be with them or are you saying that your anxious attachment style makes you want to be with this person more and like you struggle to break up with them because you want to be with them so much um I would really need more like details on this situation to like fully dig deep but on a base level I would just say like just start by like finding your own independence and doing things to like reaffirm your values and your beliefs and your decisions and the more you start to like reaffirm the self in those little things and definitely make sure that you like create a sense of community and make sure you have a good support system before you go through something so traumatic as a breakup because when you break up with someone it feels like the end of the world and like the closest person to you is like suddenly not the closest person to you anymore so you definitely want to make sure that you have other people to lean on like friends and family and hobbies especially so you don't like rebound but healing anxious attachment style is something that like you you can't really heal instantly you kind of just have to live it And I read in a book somewhere that there's this rule for trauma that like you, it takes at least twice as long as it took to create the trauma for you to heal it. So if you feel like you have an anxious attachment style in this relationship, step back a little and like experience what it feels like to be alone and just think like, does it feel good? Does it feel bad? Does it feel lonely? Does it feel empowering? And then take those feelings to wherever you want to take them. Like if you want to use that in friendships or relationships, just be conscious that you suffer from that attachment style. And once you know that you suffer from that, take every step you can into like building up yourself so that you can be ready to like come to a relationship with a secure attachment style because that's the ideal goal. Please help with finding an apartment. Prayer emoji. Um, honestly, I always look everywhere. My tips for finding a place to live are, number one, to drive around that place and because people still place like actual for rent signs in yards especially if it's like a private landlord which my landlord now is a private landlord I prefer them because I hate capitalism and I don't like dealing with like corporations when doing things I found my place off of Craigslist I know it can be kind of shady but like it's it's up to you to like use the internet responsibly and weed out scammers like you would do with any other internet service and so I've always found like really good luck with Craigslist and then you can also search on Facebook too there are a lot of people who just post on there and then ask around like let people know you're wanting to move and like looking for a place and you never know like someone's brother could just be moving out or someone's sister could have a place she's like subletting so just keep looking and then my number one tip is to stay on it like when I really wanted to move and really wanted to like boss up my life and change my situation I was on Craigslist every day I was on Facebook every day I was touring apartments and driving around every fucking day until you find what you want. And as far as manifestations, as I, like, knew more that I wanted to move, I wrote down a list of, like, everything that I would have in my dream home and, like, in the ideal scenario, I wrote down which things were non-negotiable, which things I was willing to, like, work with and then which things I wish I had when I'd like lived in the place that I'd lived before and uh, I got really lucky my manifestation powers are really strong and I was able to check everything off my list but like anything you have to have the dedication and the desire and the grind and the commitment to do it I love you I know you'll find your dream place Bye. Okay, this one, wow, this one says advice on grief. My grandmother suffered a severe stroke and died after a few weeks in hospice recently. She's the first person I've really loved that I've lost, and losing her is triggering a ton of other grief-related emotions and experiences. Grieving the family dynamics that have caused pain over the years, grieving the relationship problems I've had as a result, grieving the fact that I moved across the country to my dream life just to feel guilty now that I am not near my family. Help, lol. And... I hope that if you are grieving or struggling with grief, that, like, you know that you're not alone because I'm feeling this and need help with it. Um, Hi, Mel. I love you. And I actually have been dealing with a little bit of grief recently. Um, I'm mourning a pet of mine that passed away. And a lot of people say that, like, oh, it's just a pet. Like, you can't really compare the grief of that to, like, the grief of a human. But grief is grief. Like, emotions have no filter. And it's hard no matter what you're grieving. Um, I'm definitely sorry for the loss of your grandmother And I can't even imagine what that felt like. And I'm here if you need to talk or anything. And about the grief-related emotions, like, grief kind of functions as a domino effect. So the best thing to do is let it, like, completely wash over you because, Grief is going to trigger other things and other feelings no matter what, but it's more of the, like, holding back of those feelings and trying not to, which makes it even more painful. Just feel your emotions and sit where you are and be kind to yourself, like, Give yourself as much time as you need to grieve or to start feeling normal again and know that like all of these things that are like setting off or feeling like they're going wrong aren't due to like your failure as a person or like your inability. It's just due to this like incomprehensible emotion that's washing over you and I I feel like a large part of grief is making peace and letting go because grief is one of those things that if you don't meet it face to face, you'll carry it with you forever so if you let those emotions wash over you when they come and just give it the time it needs and feel it it's a lot easier to let go which will bring you a lot more happiness and i think that humans can be like very self-sabotaging creatures so Of course, you would feel bad about moving across the country to have your dream life and, like, sad about not being near your family. But none of these things that happen are due to the fact that you moved away and pursued your dream life. And, like, you also still owe that to yourself regardless of what's going on in other people's lives. And it's your family And they love you and hopefully they understand and you can always go and visit them. And you guys could make the effort to still stay connected while not in the same place. I love you. Um, We relate to each other because we're also both experiencing grief right now. And death is never really like... An easy topic to talk about because everyone interprets grief and death and life differently, but I try to view death as more of a ceremonial and passage of time thing because it happens to everything and it happens to everyone eventually And the more we try to, like, run away from those feelings, the harder it will be. Death is just as beautiful as life, honestly. And I'm sure that if someone or something was in pain, they would want to not be in pain anymore. So I love you. I'm right there with you going through this and I'm here if you ever need to like talk or submit anything again. This one says, what is some advice you have for making friends in your early 20s? I've heard things like put yourself out there and don't be afraid to befriend the barista at your favorite coffee shop. But once you decide to do those things, what do you say? How do you introduce yourself in a way that's not weird? And how do you turn acquaintances like that into a friendship? Well, okay, so... A couple summers ago, I was going through a breakup, and I made it, like, my personal challenge to go out and do everything. I wanted to make, like, at least one new friend a day and talk to everyone. And even if you, like, just talk to someone and it's not, like, a conversation that, like, results in having, like, an actual friend or connection... Talking to someone is half the battle. Once you hone that skill, you'll be making like hundreds of new friends in no time. And I actually, I was so sad for my breakup that I was going to like the same coffee shop every day. And I did end up befriending the barista and it went great. We sesh all the time. And so as far as like conversation starters and what do you say start with something simple like oh like if this is your barista this is my favorite thing at the shop what's your favorite thing or like if you're going to see this person repetitively just build a rapport like if you know you're gonna see them more than once or you could just be like honestly I'm trying to make more friends right now like would you be down to like be my friend? <laughs> and like no one hearing that is going to be like no, like I don't want to be your friend. So that's a good way to make new friends. And you also just have to like that law of attraction is real and the less you think about like making friends and stress about it, the more the friends will start coming to you. Love you. This one says, I get obsessed with almost every single guy I get with. It's an actual issue, but it's funny at this point because it's so ridiculous. Anyway, lots of love from Australia. Um, Flavia, tell me what it's like in Australia. I'd love to hear more. Um, I used to have this exact same problem. And the only way I could stop it was by becoming obsessed with myself instead or becoming just throw yourself like into a new book or into a hobby and just divert all that energy that you're giving to all of these other people back into the self. And I guarantee you'll be a lot happier and that you'll start attracting like actual guys that are obsessed with you instead of you being obsessed with them. This next one says, How does one navigate a long-distance relationship with a bad texter? My man's amazing, but he has a daily screen time of five minutes. I guess I should get a new hobby. Um, honestly, okay. Okay. I'm very supportive on having a lifestyle where we're not constantly tuned into our phones and so like screen oriented but in a re- in a long distance relationship it's different than if you were in person because there's less avenues of like connection with each other. So I feel like if you want to text all the time and your partner knows that you guys are both dealing with the stress of like being long distance then they could also meet you in the middle by like texting a little more if they know it'll make you more comfortable and you can meet them in the middle too by finding more things to do and trying not to text them all the time and any type of change like that to your relationship is going to be really hard and stressful and normally when there are stressful times in the relationship we don't normally want to turn to a new hobby we want to turn to our partners so it's up to you guys to create like a space for each other and create time for each other and do the best you can on both of your parts to try to like bridge this gap between you guys if it's physically then you don't want it to be like emotionally too like you guys could like play a little iMessage game or probably like watch the same show together you can do that from separate locations just anything that shows that you care and that you guys are both listening and both aware of this change but It also just helps to kind of, like, step back a little and not be on your phone all the time because if time is passing by really fast to you and you're doing something that you love, then you might take longer to realize that, like, oh, like, this person hasn't texted me back yet or, like, he likes to text way less than I do. But honestly, it's kind of a mixture of both because, like, Finding a new hobby would solve this problem, but it would only solve half of the problem. Half of the problem is, yes, you need to find another hobby to keep you busy, but also your partner should be meeting you in the middle if they know that this makes you anxious. Love you. Okay, so this one says, I have a group of friends who always invite me as an afterthought. They're not my closest group of friends, and they're certainly not my only friends, but it bothers me that they invite me to something a week before when it's clearly something that's been organized for weeks or months. I always go because it's a good time and it's not devastating, but slightly insulting. Should I ghost or shrug and not make it a thing? Honestly? Okay, so... You're talking about two very, like, polar opposite emotions right now. Should I completely ghost them or should I completely ignore my feelings and keep hanging out with them and keep sitting in my discomfort until it's unlivable anymore? And so, honestly, I would say the first thing you can do is talk to these people and these friends and, like... Tell them how it feels to always be invited last minute and that your time and your scheduling is also valuable too, just like everyone else has their own scheduling in their lives. And if you want me to continue to be able to come and like enjoy my company, then I need to know more in advance. And it's good because like you're being vulnerable by showing how you feel, but you're also setting some boundaries by saying like my time and energy matters. And if you feel like it matters to you, then, like, take it more into consideration when you're planning these things, like, weeks before you invite me, and these people don't have to be, like, your closest friends for you to express those emotions, like, I express boundaries to anyone, regardless of how, like, much I know them, but, I love you, I hope this results in an even deeper connection with your friends and better understanding, and if not, then I hope you're able to make some new ones who understand and value your time more. Okay, this says, I am going through so much therapy, everything feels really intense and traumatic. How do you talk to your friends about really intense stuff without trauma dumping? Love you, Stoner Fairy. Um, Honestly, I feel like trauma dumping was, like, a myth created by people to make women feel bad about expressing their emotions. Like, women can't have hobbies anymore. And it's, okay, it's basically one of those things that, like, the word trauma dumping has also, like, become so commodified in therapy jargon like Twitter therapy jargon like gaslighting or gatekeeping or trauma dumping so it's kind of like trauma dumping isn't really a real thing I feel like because like If it's becoming so bad to where you feel like if you're just being vulnerable with your friend and looking for support and that, like, you're needing support so much that it's trauma dumping, especially if this person also, quote-unquote, trauma dumps to you and, like, hasn't expressed any discomfort, I would say step away from the elephant a little and, like, kind of have, like, a little humility about the topic and laugh at yourself a little for trauma dumping and then continue to express your emotions and how you feel and seek support because like underneath trauma dumping there's an actual desire to like connect with others and say how you feel and have it be like listened to and heard and understood so Don't let yourself get too caught up on, like, I guess what other people think and feel about your emotions. It's only about you. And if it feels so intense and traumatic and, like, you need to talk to your friends about this stuff, I'm sure you guys will have a greater and deeper connection if you just talk about it and you don't want to end up, like, keeping it in and feeling worse off than you started love you this one says it's been three months since my breakup from a 3.5 year relationship over the past few months I've reconnected with a friend and we've become close I found myself developing romantic feelings for him I'm upset with myself because I feel like my usual motive is to use male validation as a substitute for healing so I guess I need advice as to how to break that pattern and stop looking to men to validate me and or change how I feel about myself Well, first off, I love you. Thank you for sharing this and being vulnerable with me. Um, This is something that I've struggled with a lot. I kind of went over this in a previous episode where like why we're more biologically likely to choose like the bad boy over the nice guy. I think it's because like Humans are inherently self-sabotaging and we kind of just have to reprogram ourselves. And they say that like the reason why you choose like the bad boy or the emotional emotionally unavailable partner or the partner who you're using as a crutch and not actually like dealing with your problems is because it releases a certain amount of like short term serotonin and like comfort. Whereas like it's uncomfortable to actually like think about what are you trying to run away from and like in this case it's healing from your breakup and if you keep using these people as crutches you're honestly not doing yourself the justice you deserve by like continuing to be in that pattern because not only are you giving these men too much power over you by like using them as a crutch and like a defining factor of your feelings and your emotions you're also disempowering the self by not like giving your emotions the space they need and like giving yourself the space you need to process this breakup and heal my advice to you is force yourself to be celibate for a little while Connect with the self, connect with nature, smoke a little joint, and then get back into relationships when you feel ready. If you acknowledge that you're using male validation as a substitute for healing, the next step is to actually heal. Love you. Okay. How do you manage pressure, like work, school, relationships, and what helps you when you're feeling overwhelmed or depleted? Honestly... We suffer from, like, a lot of pressure in daily life, like, pressure from the self, pressure from, like, external factors, and the only way I can say I really, like, cope with that to heal is to, like, make sure that I make time for myself and things that I want to do. And whether it's, like, taking the time to, like, have a cup of tea in the morning or, like, spending a little extra time in the shower, it just, those little acts of relief help deal with that, like, daily buildup of pressure, honestly. And I feel like we have to be, like, more kind and gentle with ourselves and our bodies anyway. So, Honestly, I would just counteract all that pressure by doing, like, a shit ton of self-care. I don't know if that's the best strategy, but it works for me. I hope it works for you. Love you. This one is from Sabine. It says... How do I free myself from the chains of Tetris? I was wasting so much of my life on social media but still compulsively grabbing for my phone. So I deleted TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. And when you're on YouTube Reels, it's just humiliating. And I downloaded Tetris to help wean myself off, sort of like a smoker wearing nicotine patches. The only problem is now I can't stop playing Tetris and it's taking over my life. At first it was just kind of boring and I quit after 10 minutes or so. But now, I'm seeing the tetranomes falling in my mind's eye as I go to sleep, or the shower, or even as I talk to my friends. Last night, I stayed up until 3 a.m. playing Tetris, and I keep trying to screen share my phone to the TV to force my boyfriend to watch me play. He hates it, but sometimes he'll tell me I made a good move, and it's honestly enabling. Sometimes I get so in the zone that I won't blink for minutes at a time. And when I finally look up, my eyes are so dry and hurt so bad. The kicker is that my high score is 183,000, so I'm not even that good. Please help me, queen. Honestly, Sabine, I don't really feel like you have a problem. Keep playing Tetris. Stay off social media. Love you. This one says... I've been working basically my dream job. I have an artist residency and I'm 22 years old, but I've been feeling really lost and lonely and straight up weird and also like I can't create anything meaningful right now and don't know what to do about it. I totally understand this feeling and it's like a specific type of burnout to be burned out. But, like, you're so burned out, you can't even experience the joy of, like, finally getting what you wanted. And so, if it's your job to create art, it doesn't necessarily have to be the most meaningful art right now. You could just create what you need to get by And if you don't have to create as your job and just generally feel like you can't create anything meaningful and don't know what to do about it, just take a step back and take a break. Like the part of what you're feeling just honestly sounds to me like you're overwhelmed and maybe getting what you wanted like could be too much and it's a lot to experience in like a difficult change and you're a creative person that creativity doesn't just leave you like the beautiful thing is about creativity is that it can strike again and again and again and so when you feel like you're struggling to be creative you know that it's not like a permanent thing it's more of like a creative rut and like what do you need to do to like separate yourself and take time to like feel more inspired and rejuvenated and like prepared to create more things just take some time for the self and if you struggle about like does everything that I do and like put out into the world always have to be this meaningful the answer is like it doesn't it's not a crime to just put out the bare minimum and like do what you need to do until you feel like you're at a place of freedom again because like that sounds like creative like drought and exasperation and the bad thing about that is that if you're feeling exhausted from creating and it's literally your job to create creating then like there's not really you have to take like a lot of extra steps to counteract that exhaustion because the same way that the exhaustion from creating can build up the stress from like not creating can build up and then cause you to not want to create more as a result of that. So I know you will get through this, do some things that inspire you. I love you. Okay. This one is really, really long. It says, hi, stoner fairy. I've been on various SSRIs for the past five years. During this time, my already low libido has vanished completely into the abyss. Throughout these years, I've been in a relationship with a man, literally the only man on this earth I would date, who has been very understanding and not pushy at all when it comes to all things sex-related, but he himself, as an average human whose brain is not affected with the various effects of antidepressants, does not want sex- Oh, he does want sex, and he does have a healthy libido. To top it off, he only wants to have sex with me and no one else, and I'm very open-minded and have proposed in the past the option of finding another person to be that physical outlet for him, which he vehemently rejected. Since the beginning of summer, I have been slowly weaning off of Zoloft, and I talked to my therapist, who knows I have been treatment-resistant, in the past and I've tried at least eight different SSRIs over the year, over the years and we were like Question mark, question mark, question mark. If I'm treatment resistant, then why am I still trying to take all of these antidepressants to no effect? One of my many hopes when I'm finally completely off it and have stabilized mentally is that I will once again have some form of libido and be able to satisfy myself as well as my partner. But I worry that even once I am no longer on SSRIs, I will not want to engage in any sexual activity, whether it be because of past trauma or because I've been with this guy so long without any sex and ball that perhaps I've become so accustomed to that dynamic and comfortable with it that I simply won't be sexually attracted towards him any options or advice would help in regards to SSRIs the damage they do to one's libido and the kind of things that can result for someone coming off of them after taking them for an elongated period of time thank you if you had the time to read this and much love to the pod aww I love you and I myself don't have any personal experience with SSRIs, but I will say that, like, if you're nervous about what will happen after you come off them, it takes a while for your brain to readjust to, like, making its own decisions and like living that way without medication so like anything you have to rebuild that habit of being intimate with your partner and like make ways to make things interesting or to reach out with them especially after it sounds like he's made so much of the effort to like reaffirm you by reaching out to you and proving his commitment to you so the best thing you can do is match that by like you're saying that your motivation is to not only fix your libido to satisfy yourself but also to satisfy them and use that as your goal and if you're wanting so badly to satisfy this person then I doubt you will struggle from like not feeling attracted to them because it sounds like you love them so much and congratulations to you for like Wanting to come off SSRIs and do like life without no medication I know that it's hard and I'm proud of you and I know that you can do it this message Honestly, I mean it sounds like you have a good grasp on like your life and things and these situation And it sounds like you know, what needs to be done for you and your partner so make sure that you just be kind to yourself Throughout this change and know that like just as much time as you were on the SSRIs, it takes an equal amount of time for your body to like kind of rebalance itself and return back to normal and make sure that your partner makes like time and space for you as well. And you guys can also do little things to make it more interesting and create more of, like, a sexual or romantic environment for you. Like, make the extra effort to, like, plan more date nights or do little things that'll stimulate your brain in, like, the way that you would normally, like, rely on the medication to stimulate and stabilize your brain. And just be flirty, Put on like a cute little outfit, do things that make you guys feel good, and everything else will come naturally. I love you. Okay, this one says, how do I stop obsessing over my boyfriend's ex? She is in his friend group, so I literally go insane before my boyfriend goes to an event that she's at. I feel bad because I get mad at my boyfriend for going to things that she's at, but I know it's not his fault. Or is it? Um, honestly, I feel like you definitely need to, like, take a step back a little and, like, think about why you feel this way. And do you, like, struggle with loyalty in your relationship? Do you feel comfortable in your relationship? If you can trust that your boyfriend won't do anything and you guys have that bond with each other, that's all you need. It doesn't matter, like, what the ex-girlfriend like would think or would do you know that your partner trusts you and he's coming home to you so focus on that and all of that time that you spend stressing about like her you could be putting that time into your relationship instead and it's definitely not his fault because he can't control his ex like being a part of his friend group especially if they were already like if that group was pre-existing before the relationship sure he can also like find more friends to detach from that a little bit but I mean that's up to him to decide if he wants to do that so it's not his fault that like she's there and existing in the world like unfortunately all of our boyfriends do have to like exist on the same planet as their exes it sucks and for me it really makes me mad but the best thing you can do is focus on yourself and focus on your relationship and try to let it go love you how do I realistically save money when I'm a 22-year-old girl who wants to have fun? I have a full-time job, by the way. Um, Find interest in things that don't require a lot of money. Like, there's a lot of ways to have fun with a very small budget. And especially if you have other friends, you guys can pool together your money. And it's a good time just due to being around friends regardless of, like, how little money that good time costs like have a little picnic where everyone buys one thing or like have a movie night where you guys each bring a thing to make a trail mix like there's so many possibilities to have fun on a low budget you guys could go to a local park and do like art in the park or you could throw a party and socialize at home just get creative and that's a good thing about like not having any money, but also having a full-time job, it'll force you to pretty much get creative. Okay, this one says, How do you find the time for self-care and housework between school and the job and everything in between? Yeah, honestly, that's a mystery to me. Like, I can't believe we're supposed to have a job and then have a work life and then a home life and then a relationship life and then friendships and self-care and everything like it feels like we're all balancing too much all the time my solution is get a planner or get like an ipad i love using my ipad for planning but i honestly as much as i love my ipad i always love like my journals and physical media more I haven't really, like, mastered the key to juggling everything and, like, still making time for self-care. And I feel like at 22, you're not really supposed to have it all figured out. So, like, it's up to you to, like, make time for the things you feel deserve time and try your best to organize your life the best you can like some nights I'll skip out on the self-care for more hanging with friends or I'll skip out on the friends for more self-care like just it doesn't have to be everything everywhere all at once just move things around and do what works for you and it doesn't have to be like all or nothing you could do like one of these things at the beginning of the week or one of these things at the end of the week like my ideal scenario is to self-care every day but I typically only manage to do it like a few times a week so just try to set aside time like for yourself and time to do the things you love and schedule everything in like an organized way like scheduling is key like you can have self-care sunday and mimosas monday queen it's completely up to you like it's easier for me having like one whole day dedicated to like friendship one whole day dedicated to self-care one whole day dedicated to cleaning and like do it that way but just like Figure out your schedule and what works for you, and you deserve happiness. Love you. Okay, how do you start doing new things in a winter? Between seasonal affective disorder and the ADHD driving up my anxiety, I find it so hard to pick up new habits in the winter time, especially ones that involve leaving the house, moving my body, or both. It's cold constantly and fucking dark by 4.30, and I find myself thinking, like, Oh, I'll start doing that when the weather gets nicer or when the days get longer. When I know full well that's not how life works. How do I get my ass up and live when i rather just hibernate? <laughs> this is total hamster vibes. Like, did a hamster write this? I totally relate because every time daylight savings time starts happening and it's like, it feels like it's midnight but it's only 5 p.m., my brain is always like, what the fuck? And so if your brain's sending you all those like what the fuck slash I don't want to do anything signals, you kind of just have to hack your brain and move your body anyway and just do things that feel good to you and make sure you still make lots of time to hibernate in bed because that's also normal for colder seasons. And my like one of my brain hacks for the winter time is to try to get my heart racing at least once a day whether it be like a short run or stretch or exercise and then I keep all of my like windows open and like lamps around and stuff because like When it gets dark, if you supplement, like, artificial light and do, like, seasonal and timed lighting, it helps us a little more. But also the reason why you're feeling, like, sleepier and less productive is because, like, that season does it to you. Like, cold temperatures do that to everyone. No one wants to get up and, like, go outside when it's freezing cold. But hopefully... Like, you'll be inside so much that you make yourself sick and you're like, I have to, like, get the fuck up and do something. And then you'll be outside so much that you're like, dang, like, I can't wait to go inside and hibernate because it's such a a safe space that I've created for myself. So, everything in moderation. Don't hibernate too much, but also go outside and touch grass. Love you. I know this is like a lot of questions, but you guys have a lot to say and I'm going to answer every single one that I got because I love you guys and you deserve that from me. This one is from The Lovely Bones. She says, I'm 21 and obsessed with my high school history teacher who is 45. We've been talking and texting for a few years after I graduated high school, but nothing physical hasn't happened yet. Since I'm 21 and have some distance from high school, I think I'm old enough to know what I'm getting myself into. Do you think this is a morally dubious relationship, or do you think that 21 is old enough to have some level of agency in this? Um... This is kind of one of those moral gray areas because I'm sure to our little rat brains, like, fucking your high school history teacher would be, like, kind of hot. But at some point, you have to come back to reality and realize that, like, part of your attraction to this person is due to the fact that like they had power over you at some point in your life and also at a very like adolescent point in your life so at that point we have to think like what the fuck is wrong with this teacher to be able to see his student that way at any point because at this point you're saying that he was your high school history teacher and that now you're like all grown up now and he wants to pursue a relationship with you which is honestly gross and I would say give it to at least 25 when like your brain is fully developed and then we can start like having a better grasp over like which decisions are crazy and not crazy but Yeah, to answer your question, I don't think 21 is old enough to have any level of agency on any of all this. And at 21, like, we have, like, some self-awareness, but it's literally, like, the base level of self-awareness. You have a lot of time to make mistakes. Um, if you want to fuck your teacher, fuck your teacher, but also be mindful of, like, the power dynamics at play in that. Love you. Um... This one says, how do you not hate yourself for cutting out friends who were harmful to you? I know it was the right thing to do for my mental health sanity, but I keep wondering if I'm the problem and I'm too sensitive for getting upset at their actions slash words. Well, I will say that like your feelings are always valid regardless of if you're the only person that feels that way like the fact that you feel it is all that it takes for it to matter and so like it's not fair to label yourself as too sensitive for feeling anything you feel when like it's not like you can control your feelings and I mean, don't second guess yourself if you felt like you had to cut out those friends because they were harmful for you. Only you can know what felt like it was harmful to you and what was the right thing to do. And I don't think you're wrong for doing what you felt like needed to be done. And I don't think you're too sensitive for getting upset at things that upset you. And if something upset you and you brought it to your friend and they didn't do anything to try to make you feel better then that's not really your friend. Love you. I know you'll get through this. This one is from Melissa. Hi, Melissa. It says my boobs grew so much this past year. I don't know if it's second puberty, PCOS, birth control, weight gain, or what, but literally every time I think about them, I wanna cry and chop them off. They don't fit in any of my favorite clothes anymore, which makes me feel like I can't look like myself, and I'm just trying to make the situation worse. I'm on the shorter side, 5'2", and I'm fairly young despite being 22, so I basically look like a 16 year old with anime titties. I am truly gagged that after I took so much time and effort learning to love my body, it had the audacity to change. I don't know if I should relearn to love my organic milk bags or if I should seriously consider plastic surgery, which is a huge statement coming from me because I always swore I wouldn't get work done. Anyways, I love the pod and you're my parasocial bestie. Aw, Melissa, I love you and what you're feeling is completely normal. And I mean, it's always going to feel weird when our bodies are changing, but also like life continues to go on and we will always change just due to the way that like life is designed. And so I know it may be hard to let go of like that idea that you had of the self and like what you used to be and like based off your old clothes well get new clothes that make you feel like your new self and make you feel comfortable or get new clothes in bigger sizes that actually fit your body and like honor your body and I like growth in boobs is something that like you can't really control so you might as well learn to love it like It's a natural thing that happens to everyone and we can get so caught up in our personal worlds that we like, I mean, you see yourself every day. Yourself is the only person that you have to live with and be comfortable with all the time. So you have to make peace within the self and let go of that idea of like who you thought you were and focus on who you're becoming. And as far as plastic surgery or boob reduction, if that's what you feel like would make you more comfortable, then do that. Like, it, if those were your morals at the time, those were your morals before you had to go through this. So your morals can also change. And learning to love your body is, like, a lifelong thing. It isn't something that you can just do once and then your body changes and then, like, It's done. It's something that you have to learn to love your body throughout all of its changes because it's going to keep changing no matter what. I love you, Melissa. Please get new clothes that make you feel good and accessories too. Like, you know how they always say like, sometimes I have to have a little treat. Just treat yourself. Love you. Okay, this one says... Hello, Stoner Fairy. I was wondering if you had any advice over how to overcome grieving a past version of yourself. My first year of college, I had a traumatic incident happen to me and have truly struggled with overcoming the fact that I don't have the same emotional bandwidth as I used to. Although the situation happened two years ago, it still follows me. I've continued to try to provide myself with compassion as I continue to heal. However, my academic performance has been very dicey since the situation and I haven't been able to embark on various endeavors outside of an academic setting because I'm just barely passing as is. I do have a lot of shame for my inability to get better faster, and I know this further amplifies my grief, but I was wondering if maybe you have advice on feeling less stuck. Thank you. Well, first things first, I love you. Thank you for your message and reaching out to me. Um, What you're feeling is something that We've definitely all felt once in our lives because school is fucking stressful and it's like, how the fuck am I supposed to focus on anything else when I'm just barely focusing on this? And it's hard. I think that sometimes we have to hack our brains and do what we need to do to get by and you have to be kind to yourself and not get so caught up in the shame for your inability to get better. I was reading this self-help book that basically says that you should talk to yourself like you would talk to, like... Your inner child or like your child or a friend if they were going through that stuff And if they were explaining all of the things that you just explained to me I wouldn't be telling them to get the fuck up and get better faster Like my advice on feeling less stuck is to allow yourself to feel stuck All emotions are like good emotions Even if it doesn't seem good in the moment, like, that's still something that you can take and use it to motivate you, or use it to look back on, or use it to, like, catapult you into the next phase of your life. Like, being stuck is only temporary. The next step after being stuck is being unstuck. I love you. Humans are ever-changing creatures, so you won't be stuck forever. <laughs> this one says, just how? How will the horrors become less horrible? Will I stop feeling like a handspirt on a wheel? Should I buy myself a little treat? Honestly, Madeline, the answer is yes. You should always buy yourself a little treat. Okay? This one says, Creative advice on how to bounce back after a year of flopping. 2023 was basically the worst year of my life. I had a messy breakup. My friend totaled my car. My friend group, who I guess aren't really my friends, basically ghosted me with no explanation while I've been growing through it. And I'm isolated in my apartment due to working from home. Everything caused me to get super depressed, turn to bad coping mechanism, and gain 25 pounds. So now my clothes don't fit. In no way am I victimizing myself but I would love to hear thoughts on how you think I could turn things around. P.S. I'm in therapy and on meds, and so I'm seeking creative or drastic measures. Okay, so the first step is self-awareness. So once you're aware of all these things, you can definitely change them. And if humans are like... Very confusing creatures because we're smart enough to be aware of all these things, but still dumb enough to like sabotage the self and make ourselves feel bad about things that we shouldn't really feel bad about. So you have to be kind to yourself, like, if it makes you feel bad that you gained 25 pounds and now your clothes won't fit, then motivate yourself to lose those pounds or to feel more comfortable with your body as it is. And I feel like victimizing yourself is another one of those, like, Twitter therapy jargons that, like, everyone is using now and it, everyone's using it so much that it takes away from like the meaning of the actual word but like there is no way to victimize yourself if you are a victim of these things that happen to you like your friend totaled your car and it, your friend group ghosted you while you were going through it while you were also going through a breakup like You're not victimizing yourself if all of those things victimizing you were out of your control. And so, like, honestly, just be kind to yourself and give yourself the time you need to, like, get back on track. And don't be afraid to, like, try something new. I know that when I was working from home, it got super depressing and I felt like I needed to, like, touch grass. So don't be afraid to, like, take a yoga class or pilates or go out and try to work somewhere else that's not home or give yourself a little treat or like take yourself on a date to a coffee shop make sure you're also surrounding yourself with like different friends and family and community to combat all of this loneliness because if you're just feeling lonely and then shaming yourself for feeling lonely you're never going to get out of it i love you I know you can get through it this next one says advise on establishing boundaries with your parents after moving out question mark question mark I'm 20 and my mom calls me at least once a day and I know she's probably lonely but it's getting to be too much for me honestly Kate um the first thing I would do is set some boundaries like If your mom is calling you all the time and you're like constantly making yourself available to her when she calls, then it's only going to keep reinforcing that pattern and like making her feel like she can keep doing it more. So if you make it less easy to contact you or make sure, make sure to do these things and then also like. Make space for the fact that maybe she is anxious, or maybe she really wants to talk for me, or maybe like me moving away from home was just as hard as me as it has been on her. So, like, you could be kind to both of your emotions by expressing that, like, mom, like, I'm not really available to talk right now, but I can text, what's up, or just try to like acknowledge both your feelings, but also still be true to yourself love you this one says how to deal with dissociation tendencies like how to stay present when your first instinct is to detach and feel unreal honestly I still struggle with like Wanting to detach from reality and like feel like i'm like I go on a spectrum from real to unreal on a daily basis And it's hard to really like ground ourselves and like stay in reality But i've noticed that that instinct to detach is rooted in an instinct to like run away like and if you want to become more present in the world just ask yourself like what am i running from why am i running from it like how am i running from it how is this challenging me to not deal with the self you know like you honestly if you know what you're doing just stop doing what you're doing love you this last one is from katie beer um i love you and this one i say for last because it's really really hilarious It says, Any ways on how to train a man to stop doing man things can you please give me advice stoner fairy he's been wiping his ass with the door open it's sickening and he does not understand that I do not want to see him wipe his ass or take a dump I've tried to explain and it's not clicking I also don't want him to walk in the bathroom when I'm using the john maybe this is godly wife vibes but I do not need to be sharing bathroom experiences with my partner no you're not wrong at all and like seeing my partner shit, like, that's not something that you want to see, and I definitely, I don't want to see anyone wipe their ass, um, especially not someone I'm supposed to, like, love and be attracted to and potentially, like, have those fingers near my mouth or ass or face later, um, I don't really think that that's something that you're supposed to see and it makes sense that you don't want to see that, but I will say that it takes a long time to, like, train a man to be able to, like, live with you, so you pretty much just have to do it like you would train anything, like, state how you feel, reinforce that emotion, and positive reinforcement with reward like if you notice that he's like closing the door when he shits or like not letting you visibly see when he wipes your ass when yeah when he wipes his ass just be like thank you for respecting my privacy like I really don't want to see you wipe your ass and honestly Katie what else is he doing that was pretty alarming um The last thing I wrote down for you guys is that (laughs) it's funny because when I plan out all the episodes, it's kind of just like my journal entries for the week. And so I just wrote down in quotations, my secret to being happy is that I make my own validation. And it's honestly true. Like you have 100 percent control over your life and your values and what you want and you deserve to have everything so I love you guys um I'm definitely going to be doing some bonus content on the Patreon I'm going to be reading some idioms and guessing the meaning I'm also going to be going through my holiday gift guide and my new year's resolutions and hopefully you guys might get a little Christmas episode depending on like how my workflow is and how I'm feeling. But I'm glad I can finally get back to like creating content on a consistent schedule because life has been so hectic right now. But I thought I might leave you guys with like a couple of idioms to guess the meanings of. And like if anyone guesses the meaning of these I will, like, let you have access to the bonus episode when I guess the meaning to all of them, okay? This one says, they're selling squirrel meat at the hot dog stand. (laughs) A knocker is a knocker is a knocker. And then this one isn't really, like, something you have to, like, guess the meaning of. I just thought it was funny. It says, well, it's no sperm out of my balls. Like, (laughs) I guess it kind of just means, like, it is what it is. Like, no sperm out of my balls because of that. (laughs) I love you guys. Don't forget to, like, do self-care, drink water, and smoke a little bowl for me. Love you. Bye you.